Greetings, nerds. This is Seen a Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Gaumann. And with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Paul. How are you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing very well, Sarah. I avoided the State of the Union, so I, I think that's always a good thing So for my mental health. So I'm doing very well. Yeah, if only you could have avoided the Super Bowl this weekend, too, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, it was. Twitter was more fun than the Super Bowl, I have to say. I mean, it, it, just seeing people comment about the Super Bowl. But I will say the the NFL 100 ad was like the the best ad of the night. I mean, it just everything about it just was just awesome. And I yeah, I definitely have, have that thing on a loop. But uh, yeah, the rest of it was like, yeah, that's four hours I can't get back. And returning from her multiple trips to Kodiak is Miss Patricia Miller. How are you doing tonight, Patricia? I'm doing good, and I'm happy I didn't waste four hours of my life watching the Super Bowl. Me too. Me too. Because <laughs> yeah, if the Patriots was, are in the Super Bowl, yeah, but Sarah we all know like, how it will end. Yeah, see, Sarah's just trying to play all cool here, y'all. She was actually like lurking in the background there. She probably had it up on one of <laughs> some one of her streaming services and just kind of like, you know, she had one eye on it. Just don't let her fool you. I had one eye on Twitter. Yeah. One eye on Twitter. And then I, I worked out for the first half of the game. So I was out of sight, out of mind. And I was really anxious to see if, like, I would see the Rams leading by 20 points. Yeah, I didn't see that when I went back on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, I mean, I'm actually very much a sports person, part of the reason. But I also, um, because I don't own a TV and cable and all of that, I don't like streaming sports. I um, also know that. I, if I go home and watch the Super Bowl with my parents or watch any game with my parents, I suddenly realize why I I shouldn't watch sports because it gives me stomach aches because suddenly I'm watching and I'm like, okay, they have to win. Oh my God. What the heck was that? I get so, I get so emotionally invested in it. It's, it's Mm -hmm. bad. Will it's very bad. I I shouldn't. (laughs) Yeah. See. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We need to watch a game sometime together then, because that. Yeah. It'll be. It'll be a lot of fun. It's like I don't even know them, and I'm sitting here like it's a life or death situation. (laughs) I just want to. I just want to see you like. I just want to see you like fully emotionally invested in 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 a game, what that has stakes and yeah. Like instead of a TV show that has that doesn't have stakes, and I would just love it. I would just love to see that. Oh, it's pretty funny because I will literally get up and be like, "Brady, get on your ass." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like I, I will totally talk smack and everything. And part of it is because just my family. We always grew up watching football. We, me, before I moved, me and my dad, we would take the full lineup of all the games and make predictions every Sunday of like who's going to win what games. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were we had no idea what we were talking about. It's not fantasy football, but we were like, we're going to do this. And, and then it was more about like being right. <laughs> <laughs> but enough about that. Cause I'm kind of offended. Will. I'm kind of offended that you said that that ad, the NFL 100 was the best ad when the Avengers Endgame dropped yes. some new footage. Yes, it did. And I love that ad. But the NFL one was better. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> um, Patricia, did you watch the tease for Avengers Endgame? I I did, but the sad thing is, is I haven't watched Avengers um, Infinity War. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched that one. I haven't watched... I've been a really terrible nerd lately, I have to admit. It's my confession. Okay. So, no, I thought it looked cool, um, but it didn't give much information. Mm-hmm. And then I saw a post on Facebook, like, a day later. And have you guys watched um, the cartoon show called Atlantis? You know, the movie? Where there's a meme of the guy from this thing, and it's like, okay, sound off. Who's not dead? And it was like, the Avengers, end game. This is basically what it's going to be. Sound off. Who's not dead? And I was like, oh, okay. But I don't understand what's going on. So uh. I don't understand that meme, but. <laughs> I'll have to send it to you so that yeah. way it's a little bit more understood. <laughs> yeah, send that. Yeah, I like to. See, yeah, send it to us so we can share it with everyone. Okay. <laughs> but. Yeah. So Okay. Yeah. I thought the the clip or the Miss Marvel commercial looked pretty cool. At least graphically anyway. Yeah. See <laughs> Oh, did I hit a nerve? No, no, Sarah no, I hit a nerve. No, no, actually <laughs> such a dad move. I'm sorry. Continue, Will. No, no. It's <laughs> No, it's uh, it just it's a continuation of I I just went I did that because I was thinking about our conversations I think either last show or the show before last about how underwhelming the uh, MCU trailers have been and so when Patricia said that I I, I just thought about yeah I mean, Captain Marvel I, I I these trailers don't excite me for that film uh, even though I want to see it but it's not like it's not like I am just, you know, the vibe is not there like the buildup it was for like Black Panther or even Infinity War. It's just okay. I, this is this is cool, but okay, this is cool. So it looked so like I they ha- did so much with it. Like I don't know. Like it's gonna be multiple movies. Like I get for whatever reason, I just see her changing into all like from all these different time zones thing, and I was like, oh, that's gonna be way too much to keep up with. Mm-hmm. But that was like my initial thought. Again, I've been a terrible nerd, so I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> I um I've been a terrible nerd because I didn't even watch the Captain Marvel stuff. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't I don't really care at this point. Um for for me, I think it's a very I started laughing Patricia because I thought that was such an a unique response because no, you haven't seen Avengers. So why would you be hyped about Endgame where y- you don't even know when the game started? But but Captain Marvel yep. who's who's coming and is essential to Endgame, or so we believe, you're more interested in that because that's an origin story and she hasn't had any screen time yet. So so that's I think that's really a genuine response. And for me, I'm like, part of the reason why I don't want to, I didn't watch the Captain Marvel tease is because I've already seen way too much footage. I'm, I'm going in that, into that movie with, 
Aquaman level expectations. Um, and, and for me, that doesn't mean good, everybody, just to clarify. But if you're a listener, you know how I feel about Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Um, I, however, I'm going into Avengers Endgame kind of like, I, I just want to get there. I need to know what happens because I'm so invested in this. And this tease is perfect. I don't need yep. any more footage. I don't want yep. any more footage. I am so glad it focused on Cap. I'm so glad it showed him at that support group. The The image of the poster alone, mm-hmm. that is so The Leftovers. And we all know The Leftovers is one of my favorite series. Yep. If you haven't watched it, watch it for before Endgame because it is very parallel to what's going on. And it's Again, we we talk about grounding these characters. A guy snapped his finger, fingers, and half of the population is dead. Well, well, of course they're going to make support groups. (laughs) (laughs) What the heck is going on, guys? And it's just the the visuals. You know, a part of me is really wondering if they're gonna wait to kill Tony in the in the like final sequence of the film, or if they're gonna kill him early on. And if we really majority, if if they're gonna do time travel, are we just gonna see Tony from the past and in the future he's already dead? I I'm so intrigued. I'm so intrigued about finishing these arcs. And um, there's been so much rumors about what else is in store in this movie. And I'm so glad that I haven't seen it because it's all still just rumors. And I and I want to be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I, I that's you, you just really captured when I was feeling Sarah. I mean, as far as that that trailer. Um, and yeah, I mean, as I said, it it was one of my after the NFL one, it was my favorite one of the night. And it it is just, it was just enough just to get it for me. It it, it touched the emotional beats that the first one did not. And, you know, this the smaller, you know, instead of the, I think it was a smart, it was only like 30 seconds or so, Mm -hmm. but it, you know, instead of the long two and a half minute one that first dropped that, was big and expansive and heartless versus this one that had heart because like you said, it started with cap and that poster and this, you know, see a rocket show up in the costume and I mean, all those little things really got it. Now it's gotten me excited to see Endgame, Whereas before yeah. I was like, don't show me anymore. I'm excited. Just get this April, get here. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm right there. And and the sad part about saying that is like we don't care about March, and March is when Miss Marvel drops. So it's it's a very interesting thing to know that there are people like Patricia. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry I had to say it that way. It's so funny. Who who are um, so naive? <laughs> no. <laughs> nope, it's true. <laughs> But, but, you know, those, you guys are going to be the ones who go and watch Miss Marvel and be blown away. And maybe that'll excite you for Endgame, even if you haven't seen Infinity War. And you're like, well, she's going to be in that movie, so I want my ticket, too. So, who who knows? Um, Marvel's going to have another winning year. I have no doubt about that. And um, it's, it's just, it's also interesting because as much as Endgame 
is an an ending. I don't feel sad because no. I know that there's going to be continuation. And that also excites me. Like, where do they go from here? What do they tease next? Right, right. Yeah, because I think it's my understanding that after after Endgame, there is no more phases. It's they. I think they will end this, the fourth phase, and then I think the sky's the limit because you know they got Spider Man Homecoming, we have Black Widow, we have Captain Marvel. And who you know, Doctor Strange, I think two is going to be made, Black Panther two. So these, all these events that have led to this to this moment in game, will be wrapped up, and then you know, boom, they can just go and do standalones, or they can continue this expansive, keep expanding this universe. Yeah. All right. So Arrow turned the big. 150, 150 episodes, seven seasons, seven and a half, I guess. Yeah. Um, I was really bored by this episode, Emerald Archer. Really? <laughs> I was I, really bored. <laughs> I, I really liked it, but it's funny. One of our, uh, one, one of our followers on Twitter, uh, Betty Taylor, she, she like sent a message to our account last night, and she just said that it was a lot of talking and not much else. But, but see, I really liked this episode. Why? <laughs> I think, I, I, and I, I think it's because one, I, I just like the documentary style, it, the way it started out. Because you know, you had the Warner Brothers, you know, logo and um, and the entrance of the video with the you know the still shot documentaries and the you know Kelsey Grammer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. narrating and. It was just, it was a nice change of pace, and I and I and I could see how folks either are like me, well, you like it, or you don't. It either works for you or it doesn't, and it worked for me, and it 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 really set up a good narrative structure for the the entire episode, especially as it, the episode progresses to get us back to what a lot of people. Uh, and about the series, which is the, the the core characters, Oliver Diggle and Felicity, doing what they do, mm-hmm. and and so by having the overarching theme of this documentary, and you know, go, doing the, the featurettes with other vigilantes, and and probably the funniest and most Barry Allen, the Barry that we all know and love show up in this in this uh, episode um, the, the adorable Barry all those things really worked for me and it just I, I just really found myself very um, engaged with this episode this week yeah I I think I would have appreciated it more had I not been told hey the 150 episode of Arrow is going to be documentary style. Kelsey Grammer is going to narrate. If like the first act, I would have, I would have been like, wait, what's going on? Oh, this is really interesting. But I already knew. And I kind of, I kind of, I agree. It was a good narrative structure. I also just was bored because, and I think I've brought it, brought this up in um, previous episodes that sometimes Arrow reverts to re 
to circle back to themes and discussions that have been um, occurring on this show since episode one. Yeah. Um, and and I understand the narrative st- structure. They put a twist on that, and that's fine. I I just I just was bored. You start off interviewing Quentin Lance. That threw me. Because I'm like, he's dead. Oh, this is 2014. Okay, what's why is that important? Why 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 do I care? Also, the interview with Sarah is the one that stuck out to me the most. Mm-hmm. I just didn't understand why they would interview her. Because also, Sarah died in real life and then was brought back to life. Right. And... And and it's very confusing how the documentaries interviewing people, putting their vigilante names out there too, and I'm kind of like, what, what, why is everybody being exposed or what's happening here? I there's also a clear editing error in my opinion. Uh, they showed the interview with Curtis, and mm-hmm. then the next scene they show Ke- Curtis come and give the team information, and then being startled by the cameras. That's oh a yeah, bad editing choice. I'm sorry. That, yeah, that's a good point. That that is a good point. Um, and I don't know if it was. It definitely it was either editing error or maybe it was. It was just. I think, yeah, you're right. It was the continuity error. I can't really explain why they would do it that way uh, because the way the interviews were being structured and rolled out at that point, um, it it wouldn't make sense for him to be all startled or blurred out and just confidential information if he, he knows now that these camera people are here and there's right. certain things of Argus, you know, you know, not talk about the black satellites and that kind of stuff and, <laughs> and those kind of things. So, yeah, I think that was definitely a continuity error that they yeah. made in, in editing this, the show together. Maybe it was intentional. We shall see. But maybe I. Um, <laughs> but Oliver did deliver a line for one of the first few times where I thought of the line right before he said it. When when Curtis is kind of like, "How do you know about those those black black sites?" and Oliver looks at him and is like, "Have you met my wife?" Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought of that exact same thing. I'm like, "What? Why are you questioning this, Curtis?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, so it. Like I said, it, it, it definitely works. Um, there was thinking back to Sarah Lance's his interview, uh, and also just these folks outing themselves as as doc, as vigilantes. You have to remember at this point uh, in Star City, you have the Anti Vigilante Act in place. So, mm-hmm. and we pretty much, with the exception of uh, Dinah, all original Team Arrow and new Team Arrow. Uh, were exposed and the FBI deal. Mm-hmm. So, so they had, so they're, they're already all out. Oliver now is obviously all out. Uh, speaking of uh, OTA, NTA, I love the little East little, little dig they threw in there with, uh, with uh, Renee and mm-hmm. Oliver, whenever they mentioned the, uh, the, uh, the, the, was it new GA? Yeah. New GA. Uh, it, it, yeah. NGA. I think it was what, NGA. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you know that was a little. I think Mark Guggenheim having a little dig at the uh, Phantom there for a bit, but uh, uh, but I digress. I think the um, people being out like that 
was necessary because I think this this documentary at its core was essentially extolling the vir virtues or the negatives of a city utilizing vigilantes to deal with the crime problem. And so at this point in, in the era, in, in the continuity, everybody's, for the most part, with the exception of Barry in this episode, were out. And um, so it made sense for them to all basically give their identities uh, in, in this documentary. Right. That's a fair point. I I also found that the Williams stuff, I I think, I think the Williams stuff is supposed to set us up for a bigger confrontation next week, um, with the Star City Slayer, some this um, serial killer that's coming, which I think might be after specifically children. But I also felt like. You know, if if you're going to take the 150th episode and really want to do this whole narrative spin on it, then commit. You don't have to add in all of these other subplots. You can put those on hold and save them for um, a real cohesive story next episode. Yeah. Um, and, and so because it kind of what I found is you had the big confrontation with Felicity and William mm -hmm. and then all of this stuff with Oliver and then a little moment between Felicity and William at the end. And it's right. kind of like, that's a, that's a lot of space in between yeah. and, and very, very little resolve. I mean, Oliver, like when is Oliver and Felicity going to talk about how like it, William's clearly blaming her for being sent away. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Where is that confrontation between her and Oliver on it? I mean, Oliver and her, I thought, talked about how he was he he Christmas break wasn't coming soon enough. I I'm just very confused as as to who's mad at who for what. Yeah. I don't know. I will, yeah. I I will I will I will agree with you that the William subplot in this episode probably could have waited. It did. Um, the things that they brought up as far as the everything from Felicity putting the you know spyware on his tablet to him getting up with Renee's daughter and and you know setting the stage for the flash forwards that uh, we've been watching so far this season and and the as you mentioned the confrontations between him and Felicity as far as feeling responsible for getting sent off to boarding school. All those things really could have waited for another episode. It mm -hmm. just did throw off, given the the vibe and the, the themes throughout this episode, it, it it was out of place with the, except, yeah. I mean, the only other thing that you know, might have worked a little bit was when they when Oliver they had the reunion and Oliver was happy to see him and everything and the you know the documentarians were filming all that and Oliver was just you know did have a moment of like no you know keep him out of this thing uh, which you know, made sense and was uh, but you know again it there there's any other ways they could have like dealt with trying to keep protect certain people. Um, right. And, right. And, and, and can we? That. 
Let's let's talk about these flash forwards because yeah. this is also what kind of just rubbed salt in the wound. I want to know really what's going on here. <laughs> I, th- these teases, like we're not even talking about episodes. Classic Arrow. Half of your episode is in present day. Half is in the past. Okay, let's introduce flash forwards. Only let's basically make them teases, like. Really yeah. annoying because that moment when Maya is revealed watching the documentary, I'm like, okay, just say it. Say your hair, his daughter, just yep. say it. I just need verbal confirmation here. And then Connor comes in. Okay, Connor, I've heard that name before. Now, in present day, John does have a son, but his his son's name is actually John Jr. Right. So, so is that who Connor's going to grow up to be? Okay, that's more suspicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, well. It's just, it's, it's the little things. And, and, I, and again, I think part of my problem always is what, what I see on Twitter ahead of the actual episode sometimes usually plays a large part in how I react to it. Mm. Somebody put out there that there's a big reveal about who's in the present. Is that Connor? Because if that's the big reveal, I have a problem with whoever announced it like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> you could have given me Felicity Smoke still alive. You could have given me Oliver Queen still alive. Like, really? We're going to settle for Connor as a big reveal? <laughs> I See, I don't think Connor was a big reveal. And I think, and to your earlier point, I actually do think Felicity's still alive. I think she faked her death. The way that Arrow Cave was set up, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I was. Yeah. But but now now here's the problem, Will, and and we've talked about this before in terms of theory spiraling. Now is Arrow gonna suffer what the Flash does, and and from we're gonna tease this out. The viewers already know, so when it happens, are you gonna get that punch in the gut? If. If they do it well and they don't drag it out too long, then it'll be satisfying. Because after all, I mean, you can't. But they, or or they could very well keep her dead. I or Oliver <laughs> dead. But I but I, I I'm thinking, but I'm thinking I'm thinking at this juncture. Well, because let's see, where are we in a time? Have we established how far ahead they are? Well, considering Renee's tan, hair, lack of a scar, Dinah's scar, hair, and just timeless beauty, no, they have not. Yeah, yeah, they haven't, yeah. Well, Zoe's like, what, 13 in present day? Yeah, so I guess she's in her 30s in this. Oh, she looks my age, and I'm not in my 30s. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, late 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 twenties. So maybe, okay. So maybe they're what, fifteen, 15, years? 15, 20, 15 years in the future. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think I'm gonna go back, but I, I do think at the end of the day, I do think there the uh, one of the reveals will be Felicity is alive. Maybe it's related to Dante. Maybe it's not. But uh, I think Oliver. Ooh, ooh. So this Oliver 
this could be teasing us for what some people think will happen with the crisis. Exactly. Which is Oliver <laughs> sacrifices himself. And and this is what, again, going into this episode, knowing what's out there, the fact that infinite crisis on infinite earth is we know it's coming. We know somebody's going to die. We know based off of the last crossover, high likelihood it's Oliver. Mm-hmm. This, it's not stakes, okay? We, uh, we've talked about stakes before, and I'm not... I still need to figure out what it exactly is doing to the show, but it's a lack of interest for me because you're going to kill off this character in a year. Why do I care about anything that's happening right now? Right. Because you've built a a show around a single character who I love, like despite all of his flaws, I do. I love everything he's created around him. Mm -hmm. He's going to die next year. Okay, so why do I care not only about what's currently happening in Star City, but how it relates to where Star City ends up in 15 years? Like, the show isn't called Star City. It's called Arrow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's one theory. I mean, it makes, you know, all the signals point that way, or it could be just, a, it could be a very solid head fake. Right, like like they'll switch him out with Wells from another Earth because you can kill any amount of Wells and and one will pop up. Exactly, exactly. You're welcome. (laughs) Call back to last week's episode. (laughs) They they did announce that another Flash character is going to die this season. I wonder if they're going to go back to that old well. (laughs) <laughs> they just might they just might yeah so who do you think yeah or we could yeah we could uh we could talk about that more in another in another part of this episode but uh part of me thinks it might be cisco that's the odds on favor people on twitter are reacting to see their cisco or the three uh, the three leaders in the clubhouse i've seen so far maybe i'll do a march madness kind of poll for like we did a few years a couple years ago with us uh, avatar is who's who of the main characters which one's just going to go and just is it cisco is it caitlin or is it joe yeah see all three of them have come up in my mind part of me and and this is a weird thing to put out there. Part of me wants it to be Cisco. Yeah. Because I feel like his character has been given such a disservice over the last few seasons where I'm kind of like, you know what? If you have to step away because you're not getting the story arcs, you, you know they're not going to take your character, do it. I respect that. Yeah. I also, again, now if they kill off Joe, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'll miss Jesse L. Martin, but at the same time, that's not a real big character. He's been sick so much this season, he's hardly been on the show. Yeah, Cecile and, has had more screen time. Yeah, and he has, I mean, and, and Joe's story has been diminishing over the most over the recent seasons. He's become a truly a secondary character. He's he's been Quint, he's got he's Quentin Lentz. Oh, he's he's so Quentin Lance, except it's not even on the same level because Quentin never had a char- another character like he didn't go off and marry Donna Smoke and she suddenly replaced him on the show. Cecile's right. really replaced Joe. It's yeah. bizarre. It, it, yeah, it has. It is. It has been um, very bizarre. Still, to see that. 
still writing the Wells Cecile fan fiction love story. Um, <laughs> send that. me your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. Caitlin. Caitlin's an interesting one because Killer Frost, it's it's part of the lore. It's, yeah. it's a, I think it's a porting character to retain. Yeah. So it's really and female. Finally, yeah, and are finally getting the character right. I mean, if finally, after you know, working through all the various anti-hero machinations, and is it is she meta? Is she not? They finally settled on okay. Here's her going to be her backstory, and here's how we're going to handle this character. And I've been enjoying it this season. So um, it's going to be any one of those three makes sense. Um, I can't see Hartley leaving. I mean, I think they're starting to build him up. Maybe finally Tom Cavanaugh will go. <laughs> Not that we want our wells to go away, but, you know. The, the, hard, the hard part about that one is you kind of feel like, I want, I want Tom to go and all of his wells on current Earth, but I don't want to give up Eobard Thawne. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's because they it's, they've pretty much just, yeah they've pretty much decided that for for now. Well, I think for forever. I think even though Matt Lester did a great job playing Thawne, I mean at least with the but that was really he was really fleshed out more on Legends than than here on the Flash. So. Uh, yeah, they're going to go to Harrison Wells' version of Thawne as much as they can, and maybe you know he could be a he could be leaving the show, but still be a recurring, reoccurring character. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you you know, see that's another thing about the Flash. Like I see a headline like that, and I'm kind of like, huh, because we we've lost so many iterations of these characters. And and they can come back. You, you, there's a there's a lack of permanency. Yeah, yeah. Permanency, and and I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I really, I honestly don't. I um, you know, let's let's just talk about this right now while we can because it's yeah. a perfect segue in terms of. So so Petowitz from CW came out and was talking about and has a quote. Um, about how things will age and we want the ne- to get to the next generation of shows to keep the D- the CW and DC universe going for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, final seasons regarding the current lineup of shows will be announced in May during Upfronts. Right. I thought it was kind of um, rude to specifically say, including Arrow. What? Yeah. It's the old dog. Doesn't mean it's going to be the first to get put down. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody just assumes that, yeah. I mean, it, yes, ratings have declined, but... I mean, so they, has the Flash. So has the Flash. So has Supergirl. So, well, actually, they've had a little bump up this season. Uh, Legends is just like the little little show that could keep... That could. Uh, Black Lightning. I know the uh, Cancel Bear was... Uh, had, had it on life support a few times but it seems like okay they got renewed for a third season mm-hmm. so again getting back to our discussion about arrow all the signs the way they're doing the story they could set this things up with infinite crisis to end the show 
They could. Right. So so we're going to get an eighth season, but only half of what we would normally get. Right, right. Or, right. yeah, pretty much. If they if they decide to, to let, if they do a, a, a half season, like, you know, 13 episodes or something like that to close out Arrow, which is very possible given that, you know, we know that Batwoman is gone to pilot. It's, I think they're starting to film, uh, is it this month or next, I think next month? With a you know a series mm-hmm. order in May, so it makes sense. They you know the, the the way the calendar is working out, they could very well do that, and and Batwoman just be a mid season replacement for Arrow. Yeah, the the see, and this goes back to our Arrow discussion again. It bothers me knowing that all of, there's all of these possibilities, and that's a likely hood route that this could go into but we have 15 years to cover between what they're they've been teasing for 13 episodes now in the future and what currently is like that's a huge gap it is (laughs) what kind of information dump is going to be dropped on us within the next few episodes and and that's the only thing that that scares me that that while we we know infinite Crisis on Infinite Earth is coming. We know Batwoman is coming. We we know that you can only have so many vigilantes running around right. on on the network. Yeah, even though Pedowitz per- said he doesn't feel they've re- reached saturation point yet, but looking at what's happened with Netflix and even with their Marvel Universe and how it has their seasons two and three have dropped off, um, and there's so many other options out there like the DC, the DC app, there's Disney's going to be having their app, uh, CBS all access, you know, Netflix are, you know, putting the net, the Marvel shows to rest, but they're putting things out like, you know, the uh, umbrella Academy and, you know, you have sci-fi out there with Krypton and other things. So, you know, the market's place is getting pretty saturated and these shows are starting to show their age, uh, creatively. Uh, I think, Arrow has had a renaissance. I think it's fair to say with blowing up the writer's room mm-hmm. and they're coming up with some fresh things this season. But, you know, who knows? I mean, Arrow could end up being like Supernatural where, we're, you know, you know no. seven years from now, we could still be talking about Arrow. But I doubt they'll go that long because how much, I guess, creatively, you have to figure out where's the right place to end this. And, yeah, you hope so. <laughs> yeah, and you hope <laughs> I mean, you hope but see, 10 years will be a good, solid round number. Clark so, Kent's got 10 years. Why can't Oliver Queen? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it sounds fair. It sounds very fair. It sounds very fair. You should you should give the flagship the, the, the full 10. I, I agree with you. I agree that it's, it's going to hit. We thought it had already spiked back in season four or season five, even though season five brought its whole. Season five really put Arrow back on the map for me, at least. Season four and season three were a bit iffy. Only thing kept me going was Elicity and that ship. I'll, I'll die on that ship. Um, Flash. It's it's ages started to run on me as well because um, we we keep having the same issues. The same issues come up yeah. time and time again with that show and the stories, yeah. and 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 I was thinking about it before we got on tonight. I was thinking about 
is really what the CW proving that these shows really work with um, a shorter season series run? Are 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 we not thinking correctly when um, back a few decades ago everybody was like, well, obviously comic books work better on TV than in movies because they are serialized. They this is this is the perfect format to have weekly episodes, just like you would get weekly books. But but there's a difference here because we're talking about production. We're talking about people not just stretching storylines over the course of one episode or one issue, but multiple issues. And it's not like you can kill everybody and come out with a new new run next year. No, you have to keep it going. You have to keep the momentum. And, and these shows, I'm not seeing it like anyone really pull it off even smallville had its issues and and so i'm just i'm wondering like like are we is is this really just proving us wrong that no if if you're going to do a comic book show it's got to be five seasons max yeah yeah it could be it could be uh well and i think too you can you could have a long run but I do think if you're going to do that, you have to have some creative turnover, mm-hmm. um, and and switch things up. And if you look at any successful series, many times uh, that that will happen. And you, you, either either a shift in the executive producers, or you blow up the writers' room and bring in some fresh people, you know, fresh fresh writers to. You know, even if you do have at the very top of the chain um, the same EPs, you you have the writers. But, you know, I look at, and I'm going to take this moment to uh, enjoy a a Sarah moment of actually saying, hey, Star Trek may have something. (laughs) (laughs) So I will take Star Trek, for example. I think, you know, for for, this is a franchise that um, had on it in the, mid to late 90s, three shows running concurrently. You had Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager, and then Enterprise. And the one con- the co- one constant throughout was the same executive producer, Rick Berman, and Brandon Braga. And by by Enterprise, th- that they had just run, out of, just run out of juice and energy. Uh, mm-hmm. Not only because they had these, they were, had all these series going, but also, they were doing the movies as well with the Next Generation cast, and I think they just got spread way too thin. And the one show that stands out to me in that in that run is Deep, Deep Space Nine, in that they creatively decided in the third season to completely blow things up and shake things up, and yes, bring a starship onto the show because we realized just as, just being trapped on a space station, you can't you can't go but so far creatively with that. Right, and it it brought it, it breathed new life into that show, and to me, uh, really, it's, it's still my favorite Star Trek to date. Now, Discovery is is gaining fast. It's been very, very been a very solid season and a half, but that's what you need to do. And I think, I think, what was brought up with the CW DC universe shows to bring it back to our current current uh, discussion is. They may need to do that. So when I see main character will be leaving the Flash this season, I'm like, okay, that might be a good thing. Or 
you know, like with Arrow did, where when Wendy and Mark uh, moved on and they brought uh, Beth Schwartz on board, which uh, another little hat I liked in the story was Dr. Schwartz. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, that's, that was a good move on the part of the CW to shake things up, to give this show some additional life and additional legs, which hopefully does help it stretch out to 10 years. But, you know, but it wouldn't surprise me at this point that the way they're going creatively, they do end it after they do end it after eight big seasons. Right. I, I I'm just gonna leave it on this. Um, I've heard from multiple people that Deep Six Nine is one of the better, if not the best, seasons of Star Trek series of Star Trek, however you want to phrase it. Um, I think I think for the writers, just just remember you're telling a story, and it's not stories. It's not not saga it's it's it's, tell me a story and if that story starts in episode one and ends in episode seven then okay you can make it make a sequel (laughs) (laughs) you just it it just got to be a cohesive arc i mean this game of thrones it's it's a huge story and yet they and they're they're stretching over eight seasons granted they're their last season was what six episodes, yeah. a few hours. Um, episode, the season eight is going to be um, eight epi- six episodes, and basically um, the last two or four are hour and a half long episodes. Yep. Um, it's like a mini movies, and and because they are going to finish telling the story that they started all the way back in the first season. And I think a lot of shows and writers can learn from what what how they they structured that saga, and to tell all of those different stories and everything. And and with these characters, like there's only one Barry Allen, there's one Oliver Queen. That's that means there's one story, and that's what we're interested in. Yep. I, I think that there's too many distractions, but you know, let's let's pull in Patricia because. Talking about shows and cancellations and seasons twos and everything, we, we got to talk about Punisher. All right, let's pull her in. All right. Um, so let's talk about the Punisher season two. Yeah. I forget 95% of it, Patricia. So, so tell me what I should remember about the Punisher season two. Okay, you should remember Frank's walk. Check. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> no, I just always remember our conversation about Frank's walk and, you know, how, anyway. But yeah. I, I do know how, and I understand completely. Will is completely confused, um, which is a must on this show, so you're you're right on track. Yeah. I'm, I'm right on cue. I'm awesome. lost. I'm lost, so educate me and the listeners who may not know this inside story here. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think to start off, you know, there's so many different little side storylines that are going on and it gets sort of convoluted as life does. And like, I, I just love all the different themes that come out of the show. And like we talked about the first Punisher season, I think they've done a beautiful job at describing all these different versions and portraying all of these different versions of what people go through with PTSD and 
they haven't left any stone unturned with this because every character on the show has a different type or a different event. It may be war, it may be family, it may be, you know, being a cop, it may be being a victim. They all have different versions of PTSD. And so that's that's the thing that I love about this show the most. And I felt like overall the show was like really well organized too, like at least for me. And one thing that I, I thought was funny, like I think Sarah, you'll appreciate this, is that as I was binge watching it, I realized that there was a different writer and there was a different director for almost every single episode, and yet it didn't feel like a different writer or a different director. And I started noticing that on like some other shows too, like Daredevil. And I was like, hmm, they did a really good job at piecing it all together. So I, I appreciated how smooth the change of director for each episode was. Um, I don't know if that's like normal for TV shows though. So I'm a total noob saying, saying this. <laughs> No, what typically happens is they have a writer's room. So, and they break out the the overall season arcs. And then uh, one or two writers can assign each episode um, along with a director. And most, it's more common to have different directors for every single episode of the show. Only a few directors, like Sam Esmail for Mr. Robot and Homecoming. He directed all of those episodes. Um, Mr. Robot season one, he didn't fully direct seasons two and three and season four, which should be arriving any day now. Um, he, he directed all the episodes. So that's actually more uncommon than what you're referring to, which is pretty normal. Oh, okay. Well, I got knowledge dropped on me. But either way, I think it's amazing that people can, like, you know, so many different directors, they make it real smooth. Congrats, guys. You did a good job. <laughs> no, it, you know, it, like, not to, not to undermine that, but you're absolutely right. Like, I spend a lot of time watching these shows and being like, oh, this is clearly a different director and this doesn't feel cohesive. And so to know that not only... They have sent um, different directors, but different writers behind it and have one cohesive story like that. It, it, it really is a, a good achievement for a show because sometimes it is very noticeable, noticeable and distracting. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll just like sort of talk like my t- two favorite episodes of the entire show was the one. I think it was episode three or four where they were stuck in the cop shop in Larkville mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, John Preacher was on the outside and they were being fired upon. And then, you know, like Frank is like, you better set me loose, Sheriff. Like that was my favorite episode because he had, he had, like Frank, like th- that theme of that episode, Frank is telling them like, and telling the girl Amy, which we find out her name is later, but he's telling her like, you can't run forever. You want to see what's coming at you, so you got to run at it. You got to be on the defense and the offense. 
And if you're on offense, it's better for your defense, basically, is what he's saying. But what's funny is that when he's running through the woods playing offense and knocking all those guys off, the preacher man is coming after him. And he's so focused on the offense part that he didn't realize that the preacher man was coming after him until the very last second. And then all of a sudden, Madani was there, like his little guardian angel, of course. And so even though you're playing offense and you're bringing the fight to your to your oppressors, you still have to watch your back. And I just thought, like, that theme of the whole show was, I mean, just really eye-opening to me, I guess. I, um, to give off your, your point about Madani, I think that this is one of the bigger controversial parts of the season two, is that majority of the viewers are were not on board with her um, her actions because she in season one she was such a badass in the sense that she was a cop she knew her goal she knew her target and then yes she was manipulated but she didn't she didn't see it and so this season she she she's um, coming at it from a place of PTSD and still dealing with how could I be so stupid? And now that I find myself in this position, suddenly I can't tell right from wrong. Maybe um, I'm more aligned with you, Patricia. I, I felt like Madani, the dynamic between Madani, Frank and um, Jigsaw. Um, I'm forgetting his real name. It w- was really good. I, I enjoyed it while I was watching it. Um, of course, none of it, and this is what I find so interesting, none of it stuck with me. Um, I, I watched this the weekend it dropped, and a majority of it did not stick with me following, um, like, four weeks later. And and that that's a bad sign because I would have hoped some of it would be more like I can totally go back to that moment. I know exactly what the characters were doing. I want to rewatch the season. I don't have that drive at all. The only episode I've rewatched multiple times is the castle episode. And we all know why. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I loved Madani's storyline through mm-hmm through this series because like I said, she she's coming from a place of her own PTSD Mm -hmm. and everybody experiences PTSD in such a different way. And whether or not other people understand it, the person has to understand their PTSD and try to work on it in a way that works for them. And that's Mm -hmm. like what, when Madani went to Curtis's, I can't remember which episode it is, but Madani went to Curtis's support group. Yep. And the the one guy was like, well, I don't know what you're doing here, lady. Like, where, where are you here for research or blah, blah, blah. And then she has her little blurb about like, well, what? You don't think I know what it feels like to be this or do this or experience that? And I was just like, yeah. <laughs> now what, buddy? Like, I was totally in Madani's corner in that moment. And I just, I loved it. And it's it's just that eye-opening thing that people, it doesn't matter how big or how small. Like Amy, she didn't really go through 
something as dramatic as even Madani, like Stein dying in her arms and being betrayed and stuff. She didn't go to war. She just it was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and she happened to see all of her friends' dead bodies in a hotel room. And that can cause PTSD, especially for a character that's as, as young as that she is. I mean, it could be as simple as your cat dying. It could be as simple as, you know, falling down at the store. I don't know. But whatever PTSD that you have, you there's just so many different things that you have to do to deal with it. And I think, this, like I've said, and I've, I know I'm repeating myself, the show does a really nice job of showing that. And it's just really cool. Right. No, you know, you're 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 spot on, Patricia, with all of this. Um, I think what you're also getting at is more that we all have our own trauma. And some of it is loud and nasty and it's much more painful, but others it's not that they don't experience trauma, it's just um and it's not even that it's minimal. It's just different. It's unique. Um, and and I think and and if you go if you think about just in terms of people growing and that you're everybody has their own trauma and that's what makes them who they are and will continue to make the what them who they are because we all have trauma at different stages of our life and and you you're you're right on that this show takes that and puts it because of the events of season one is able to capture not that, not just through Frank's eye, but through the eye of everyone he interacted with since coming home, because that scene stuck out to me too in the support group because soldiers come home and feel out of place because suddenly they're not on the war front. Suddenly they're not, in that routine and in that soldier mentality. But from Madani's perspective, she's like, the war doesn't stop just because you're home. We fight a war here too. It's just in a very different way. Um, And and that assimilation is hard on people, especially soldiers. Um, Another thing we, we, we got to talk about this, Patricia. Okay. Yep. Okay. Another reason why I don't like season two. I never got a kiss between Frank and Karen. <laughs> I'm really upset about it, and I have my own PTSD from it. It is the most unfulfilled promise I have ever seen a TV show do. I am still deeply hurt. Um, I wanted to shoot Amy the moment she walked into that room. How dare she? Um, the so, fact so, so that... did stick with you. Yeah, <laughs> I told you, like, that episode I've watched multiple times, um, because that episode about broke me, and, yeah. and about broke Frank, and, and oh, when he brought up Daredevil, how dare he? Right? <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to admit, I did think of you whenever I was watching that, uh, that episode, because I knew it was just like, I could imagine you, like, throwing all kinds of things at the screen. <laughs> I was I was so engaged and then and um Karen now here's the question do you guys really think honestly that Karen was there to sacrifice everything for him or was that that just the heat of the moment um 
I'm not as invested as you two, so I can I'll just toss it out. I think it was just heated a moment. Um and so it was yeah, I mean, I think that's that was her motivations. Uh, you know. But I you know, but again I'm not as invested, so I, you know I could be way wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so I have to tell you that I had not watched Daredevil Season 3 before I watched this season. So, after I finished Season 2 of Punisher, then I was curious as to why Frank was like, well, does Murdoch know you're here? Like, or is he happy that you're here or whatever? I think that... I hate to disappoint you. I love the idea of Castle being a thing. Trust me. I do. But I think ultimately it's a it's a deeper relationship. It's not just it's not a romantic relationship. It's more of like okay, so like I know Frank and Billy have talked about this about being overseas and they have their brotherhood of their of their unit and that's their family and here like being at home their unit is so close-knit you know karen foggy matt and you know frank was a big part of that and so it's I, I feel like it's more of that kind of a relationship, like a really, really strong friendship that, yeah, I'm here and I will sacrifice what I need to to make sure that you're safe. Because she's always felt that connection with Frank, even in even in the the Daredevil and the first season of Punisher. Like she's always had this special connection that she knows that he's a good guy. And so that's that's what I think it is. I think it's their version of a being a military unit, that brotherhood-esque feeling. And Frank hasn't found that with many other people. Right. Did I um, just destroy things for you? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's not that you destroyed things. The Raiders destroyed things because they didn't fulfill. I, I just don't like being teased, guys. If you're gonna if you're gonna have those two characters make hard eyes at each other for multiple seasons and and basically not state that they love each other, but imply, imply, imply. Mm-hmm. Um um why not why not a little little peck, you know, a little goodbye kiss, huh? Huh? What 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 about that? What about a little bit moment? Okay, we've had two moments now in the in the elevator and in the the uh, doctor's room. I'm so so yeah yeah castle. I don't I don't know. Um, so this is the last season, right, of the Punisher? Is it the last season of the Punisher? I mean, I think they did a pretty good job of like summing everything up. And it, if it is the last season, they didn't leave anything hanging. So I wouldn't be mad if it was the last season. I would just be disappointed as a viewer because I love. I will, you know, I haven't said much about the Punisher. Like, like you, Patricia, the episode that stands out for me was definitely the one where they were at the police station uh, in that little town. Uh, felt like that was most three-dimensional. It was like the, it was like the whole season compacted yeah. into one little moment. Yeah, it was the most three-dimensional I felt, and also, you know, admittedly, I'm not a big fan of of either seasons one or two as far as the shows, but. I you know I have to give kudos to John Barenthal. 
his portrayal and passion of, for that character is the one thing that kept me um, kept me engaged to make it through the end. Uh, if and and as someone who is not as invested in the show as others are, uh, that that was what kept me kept me around. His I, I did enjoy his portrayal of Frank and um, and, and but I do think that if Trend hold, trends hold with what's going on with the Netflix shows, with the Marvel Universe on Netflix. That this was it, but you know, again, I think it was a satisfying end. If it is indeed the end for the show, the uh, that makes me sad. But the other thing I wanted to bring up about trauma that I just thought of was, um, you know how um, in the very beginning, I can't. I think it was like the second episode. Frank goes to visit Kurt, Curtis his war buddy, Frank wanted um, Billy to live with the guilt and knowing that Frank messed up his face and that he had done all this stuff and that's what he was going to have to live with for you know the rest of his life. But ironically, he doesn't remember anything, and so everybody else has to live with it except for Billy. Anyway, I thought that was a really cool concept that they pulled in. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Sarah, if you had any ideas or had anything to say about that. Well, and it how wasn't every everybody around him has to deal with what Billy did. You know, like, do you think Billy actually lost his mind, or do you think he actually remembered? It goes to your theme of trauma. I think if he, I think he probably blacked it out because. If he did indeed remember, it would have just, and maybe it did. I mean, that was maybe that was that subconscious thing that was sort of trapped back there that just kept driving him to, to for this revenge, and that was those motivations because he did indeed remember have on his subconscious Frank beating the crap out of him at the end of season one. No, I just I just wanted to ask the question like, did you guys think that he lost his mind, or did you guys think that? He actually remembered. I don't. I don't know. I. I honestly don't. And I think maybe that's one of the strengths of the writing is that you don't know for sure. Um, depending on how you're looking at it, he. He was really screwed up at the end of season one. I don't think he should have lived. And honestly, I was more distracted by the fact that are you kidding me? They're going to call him Jigsaw, and he has a few red lines on his face. He he wasn't that disturbing looking. Um, that really bothered me, and I, um, I really hated that aspect so much that it took me a while to get used to it and kind of focus on okay, they're doing something interesting with him psychologically. Maybe I should focus on that rather than how his physical changes don't match up to what it should be, um, in terms of who his character represents. And plus, I would be really mad if I was Frank and I was like, I screwed up his face. I took his his life away from him. Um, Now he has like three scars on his face. What the heck? (laughs) (laughs) My whole family died and that was my justice. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) What did you think of the um, psychologist that was working with Billy Russo that you know, they were going to run away together and she was afraid of heights. She used to play on Supergirl. 
She was Alex's lover for a full season. And that's what I thought about. And I thought about the fact that this is going to be really random. Um, um, The pencil skirts. (laughs) I was like, okay, so all girls have that little stomach poke out there. Okay, I shouldn't feel so. I I liked it until I didn't like it. Um, I liked it as a very something I did not expect coming into the season. And then I didn't like it the moment that they started to really um, get involved. And I was like, this is moving way too fast. I'm, I, they're both psychos. Uh, she, she got I understand her 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 family trauma that's kind of interesting but at the same time she's really screwed up in the head and I just yeah I was too focused on the castle situation at that point yeah I didn't I didn't I didn't trust her character from the beginning like I didn't like her character from the beginning I was like mm, no nah, there's something wrong with her there's def something wrong with her like, I had my suspicions from the moment that you met the character. And I was like, mm, it's going to end bad. And sure enough, it did. And I'm really surprised that, like, she's still alive, one. And two, I wonder if they're going to do anything with that. But I highly doubt it. But anyway, I thought, I mean, I had a bad feeling about her the entire time. So that was my thing. I don't know, but she did a good job as like as an actress playing the part. She's a really good actress. She's also in a relationship with Casey Affleck. Why I know this, I don't know. And why I'm telling you guys, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> random, I, didn't, random I didn't put her together for um, Alex's girlfriend. And now that you've said that, I'm like, oh, you're right. But yeah, anyway. yeah, they they were committed, and then she broke her heart and ran off with Jigsaw. Yep, that'll, that'll do it. That'll do it. Man. Should have been the other way around. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it, it's just yeah. I, you know, I I find it interesting. You went back to watch Daredevil season three. Because um, that show, knowing it was going to get canceled, it kind of ended on a very, hey, we're all happy now note. And and this show did it similarly. Like, um, yeah. And it kind of bothers me because it's so early on in these runs to be closing the book on these characters. And, and so that's the only redeeming part of what happened between Karen and Frank. It's kind of like, yeah, they, they're not going to be, and you know what? I'll argue it right now. Matt and Karen won't be because Matt and Karen didn't get back together at the end of season three. Okay. And also if they would have, she would have gotten killed because Matt always gets Karen killed in the end. That's it for us tonight, people. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. Matt always kills Karen, and Karen never kisses Frank. Done. <laughs> okay, you didn't have to add in the last part. How dare you, woman? Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter to criticize you about bringing that up? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter. And tell me all about your castle problems at PRMiller20. Yeah. Will, where can they find you? 
You can find me at Will M. Polk, W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. And you can find me at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Cena Nerd. Friend us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. <laughs>